0: Welcome to Iron Sharpens Iron, a program by Catholic men for Catholic men. And brothers out there, we're so excited to have you with us today. My name is Matt Palmer. I'm with the Catholic Men's Ministry in the Diocese of Columbus, and I'm joined by my co-host, my dear brother, Devin Shod, the founder of Fathers of St. Joseph. We'll introduce our special guest in just a moment. Devin, how are you doing, brother?
1: Good, good. How about
0: you, Matt? I'm doing great. You're a new grandpa. Congratulations.
1: I am, yeah. We finally got a granddaughter. We have two <laughs> grandsons. Now we've got a granddaughter. So that's in my ballpark. I've got five daughters.
0: So. <laughs> yep, I, I understand. And Philomena Rose. <laughs> what a beautiful name.
1: That's
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Devin, right. would you open us in prayer, and then we'll uh, introduce John, and we'll we'll get going on a, a, a wonderful conversation, I know.
1: Yes. Yeah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, Abba, we we believe that you are incredibly generous. We believe that you are love itself. And Lord Jesus, we believe that you are the word that always speaks. We desperately need to hear your voice to receive the guidance that we need. And, And Lord, for whoever's listening to this, including ourselves, we pray that you will speak to our hearts and open us up to the great things that you have in store for us, for our lives. Please, Lord, make us aware of what you want from us. Inspire us with your spirit to hear you and follow you and to give our lives for you. And we ask this in your most holy name. and Mama Mary and St. Joseph, please intercede for us. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.
0: I should add... Um, Brothers, that this, uh, this program is produced in cooperation with St. Gabriel Radio. We're always so grateful for their ministry and, and their, um, their assistance in helping produce and share this show. Well, John Sablon, I am so excited to introduce you to our listeners. Um, we'll learn more about John and his, uh, his apostolate. But first, John, just welcome to Iron Sharpens Iron. How are you doing this morning, brother? Wonderful, brothers! Wonderful, honored, excited, pumped
2: to be here to uh, to speak to you all, but also to the men who are listening.
0: Good, good, yes, and we're excited to have them uh, and us listen and learn from you. We know uh, many of our listeners will know you as a um, as a Catholic evangelist, uh, but I want them to get to know you as a as a a father and a husband. Um, But let's go back a little bit and let's just talk about your life a little bit, John. You grew up. You're from Guam, I, I know that. Tell us a little bit more about kind of your childhood and and just share a little bit of your, your testimony of faith as you grew and encountered challenges in your family life.
2: Yeah, as you said, uh, I was, I'm, I'm from the island of Guam. I was actually born on the island of Guam. Left when I was three, but um, was born there. And at that time, Guam was a, a very Catholic island. And so I was baptized into the family of God 27 days after I was born. Um, at that time, though, uh, I was my family was probably nominally ca- Catholic. Uh, I would say specifically, my father, my mother was always a very religious woman, um, but my father was uh, was not a practicing Catholic. He was actually an alcoholic, which you can imagine. There, anybody who's ever dealt with alcoholism in their home and family life re- recognizes and realizes the the kind of trauma and tribulation that comes along with that. And my catechesis as far as learning the faith really stopped at the age of seven. So right when I f- hmm. parents pulled me out of parochial school in, in second grade, um, Catholic school, and, uh, that's really where the catechesis stopped. But going back to kind of the family dynamics, uh, we weren't really practicing. I think my mom, um, you know, kind of gave up that battle when her four sons, I've, I'm, I'm one of five siblings, actually seven, two passed away at birth. My two oldest sisters, and, um, I'm, I'm one of five and four of us are boys. Uh, and so, you know, you start seeing dad, not practicing the faith, not attending mass. And and you start to say, Hey, I want, I want some of that. I want to be like dad. Um, but my father was an alcoholic and with that came uh, a lot of trauma. And so I, I experienced essentially all forms of abuse by the age at a young age. So, you know, physical, mental, emotional, uh, abuse. And I was also, uh, sexually molested by a family member, um, around the age of 10. And so you can imagine as a 10 year old and, and you know, we all have, we all know somebody, we have children, we've had children, you know, Devin was talking about being a grandfather. I'm also a grandfather as well. So you just, at the age of 10 and how innocent, um, of, of, a, a child that is. And yet by that time I had experienced all forms of abuse. And so that really kind that was really the time where Things started to get really sideways for me because me and and my siblings, my two older ones in particular, kind of subscribed to what the culture uh, had to say about kind of numbing that pain, healing, quote unquote, healing that pain when it wasn't really healing. It was really just adding to our own um, our own brokenness. And so we kind of subscribed to the way of the world and and really just kind of lived a wayward life, which, you know, by the by age 12, I believe um, is the first time I got arrested and I started, you know, running around with the wrong group started hanging around with the gang related me and my two older siblings and um life just started to take a a turn for the worse and just started living according to the world and just running around with the wrong people in all actuality running around with people who were broken just like i was right so we know that hurt people you know hurt people and broken people find broken people and that's exactly what happened to me and so that kind of led its way into my uh, adolescence. And so I wasn't practicing the faith, maybe Priest or Catholics at best. Um, but that was really at the, at my mom at the helm of, of the spiritual life. And thankfully for me, um, God knew I needed to meet my wife at an early age. And so I met my wife in high school. And um, one of the key questions that she asked me as I was trying to you know court her was, do you believe in God? And, um, you know my answer was yes, um I, I like to think that it was because it was true, you know, and hopefully not because I was trying to win over her heart, but my wife was actually um also came from from a broken family, she came from a divorced family, comes from trauma and abuse herself um you know has really been on her own since she was sixteen, had no religious background at all, but knew enough at least I'll call that prevenial grace, right God working in her, she knew enough that a man that, that believed in God was important to her. So we, uh, we ended up getting married, uh, really out of high school and started a life together, started a family together. Um, and, uh, neither of us were practicing any faith at all. And so, um, you know, we went on to achieve, uh, worldly goals. You know, we, we both went on to graduate school and were successful in our career, got the dream house, got the dream car. And there was a point which my wife was saying, you know, there, there's something missing, and um, really, she felt spiritually dead. Um, and this was that this is her initiating that. And you know, I was a spiritual slot at that point, and it was just like, sure, yeah, why not? Why don't we, you know, kind of seek a, a church home? And all she knew was kind of Protestant. That's kind of the the environment she was raised in, or at least exposed to. She she didn't have that from her her own family of origin, but she had it from friends around her. And so we just started church hopping to the different Protestant churches. I never really felt at home. I always felt Catholic just was not a practicing one. Um and then we landed at our previous home parish in, in Northern California, St. Joseph's. St. Joseph's been with us from the beginning. And that's where she she said wow, God is present here. And uh, obviously in reflection we we recognized that was the presence of the of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. And so we started to to attend that that parish there and um and I was really an idiot, idiot ignorant Catholic at that point. So we're just kind of getting ourselves involved into the church at that point. And um, it was funny because my wife was actually uh, really trying to, um, you know, just insert ourselves in, in parish ministry and she was running children's adoration. She, you know, she walked into a conversation with our pastor, walked out as the coordinator, as, as you guys all can probably attest to that you walk into the pastor's office and you walk out with some assignments. And so she was running children's adoration and really wanted to start to participate in the sacraments because she saw that our kids were, um and and she went to our DRE and said hey, how does somebody become catholic and there, she was he was like do you know somebody she's like yeah me and so that kind of catapulted us into her uh, RCIA journey um you know i was confirmed as a as a uh, as an adult we got our sacraments all uh you know right sided we our marriage was convalidated our kids were all sacramentalized but um that wasn't that still wasn't enough as far as my own conversion my wife started to catch a fire for the faith um, and I was still, I like to call it playing hokey pokey with the church. I had one foot in one foot out Yeah. and and I never realized just how broken I was. I didn't realize uh, the effects of the father wound, um, that, that earthly father wound really impact impacted my ability to, um, have a relationship with the heavenly father. Let's,
0: and let's I, I, stop right there for a moment, John, sorry. cause there is so much to unpack here and you've just opened up, um, speaking of, of the father wound, you know, Devin um, helps all of us think so deeply about this, but, you know, Devin, as you're listening to John's story, maybe going back to, as he shared his early childhood, an absent father, an alcoholic father, a father that did not practice the faith. This is the, um, the great father wound, and just maybe reflect a little bit so far on what John has shared, Devin, and how, how we can interpret and understand the, the great challenge that John was facing here.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's a major deficit when that is absent. I mean, the stats all testify to this um, basically unanimously. Um, But I I find it fascinating. Your story um, mirrors mine quite a bit, although I wasn't born in Guam. But other than that, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that are uh, lining up. But I think it's interesting, like when we, a lot of times, I think of Jacob, the patriarch. So Jacob had a father wound. Isaac loved Esau. And Jacob was kind of like the, he had smooth skin. He was in a tent. He was like, he's a mama's boy. Esau was the hunter, the gatherer, the tough guy. And what we do then, you know, like Jacob, he's like, I need to be blessed. I need to have that blessing. I need to have that approval. And so then he sought it out in improper in, in ways. Mm-hmm. And so like you, you become in, involved in gang violence. You become involved in, in criminal activity. But then what Jacob did is he, through all the desire, that desire for that love that we can get from God the Father, he threw it on a woman. Mm-hmm. And he pinned all of his hopes on her to f- fulfill that desire. And as so many people say, don't hang a hat on a hook that can't bear the weight. And mm-hmm. So we go into marriage with these wounds and I think that's where I'd like to leave it there. Cause I'd like to hear more about how that played out because you're just getting into something really good yeah, you where are. you said, you know, I, I, I have the father wound. I, you know, it's impacted me greatly. And, and then you, I think you're just about ready to open up to how, and mm-hmm. I, I could see how already, how that's going to play a little bit in your marriage. But, um, yeah, I'd love to hear more about
0: that. Yeah, just keep going, John, because you're right at that point where your wife is on fire. You're sounds like you're not quite yet there. So keep going, and and uh, what kind of what next? What's next?
2: Yeah, e- e- essentially, uh, you know, just just because I know there's t- there's limited time. It, my wife is catching the fire. I was not as being a spiritual slot. I wasn't being the spiritual head of my home, and so she was pulling, uh, you know, pulling that train ahead. I, and we had three children: a daughter and then two sons. And it was just getting more difficult for her to, you know, to really try to, you know, the one thing that was the, 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 at the depths of her heart, the love of God wasn't. She couldn't share that with me because I was just kind of mm, about the faith, um, and I didn't realize how wounded I was. And 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 those that woundedness was manifesting itself in ugly behavior, whether that be anger or, uh, you know, just a, a, a distorted view of of, of marriage, of, of sex, of of myself, of purity. All of that was just kind of the culmination of everything that I experienced as a young child. And so she was really at the point where she was done. She was done. She she um our marriage was was struggling. Um we were uh end up separating for a time uh for a time and um she was just like I'm I'm not having it. You know, I I've been through too much in my life and I need a man that honors respects me and 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 is willing to 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 really be that 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 Christ-like figure. And so I was really faced with, um, and then, you know, our marriage was in, in obviously uh, struggling, so therefore my relationship with my kids was struggling. And so I was really faced with that decision. Like, what do you, here you are about to lose everything that mattered most to you. And so, um, you know, I was distraught. I was getting ready to, to lose my marriage, lose my, my, my family. I was getting ready to lose my job because I couldn't concentrate because this was happening in my everyday life. And um, I remember clocking so many hours at the Adoration Chapel. Mm -hmm. Thanks be to God at perpetual adoration at my parish. And when I say clock hours, I mean I'm talking two, three, four hours a day um, in adoration because I had nowhere to go but to God, right? Um, I just really isolated myself and was trying to heal my marriage and trying to face my wounds. And, you know, there was counseling therapy and all all these things that were there. but, But I was really struggling to figure things out. And I remember one of my friends who I went to college with who had caught the fire for the faith as a revert as well saw me there and he invited me to a men's conference and so i I obliged i was like yeah i've been to men's conferences before but never really experienced a conversion that that you know i I definitely needed at that point so here i show up to this men's conference and um i'm like literally the 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 preacher there is a a immaculate heart of mary friars um it it was a he was a friar for sure but he he was like a hell's angel convert you know um big burly of a man (laughs) bald head early beard and was just speaking right to my heart. And, um, and I was just really crying like uncontrollably throughout the the first half of the conference. And I'm sure my friends were like, what's going on with John? So at the, at the, um, lunchtime he was, uh, offering confession. So I beeline over to confession line and it's behind the screen. I'm on my knees and I'm, I'm essentially giving a general confession, right? I'm confessing everything that I can think of. I, even since I already confessed and just pouring my heart out, Barely able to articulate words, but I was giving it all to God in that sacrament. Hmm. And the priest comes from around the screen and he's, he's like, praise God for the remorse that you feel in your heart. Do you mind if I do the deliverance prayer over you? And at that point, I'm an idiot Catholic, have no idea what the deliverance prayer is. I look up with my swollen eyes and I'm like, sure, that sounds good. Let's do that. Right. And so he breaks out a crucifix bigger than my, my head pops it on my forehead, breaks out his book of prayers and starts to pray the deliverance prayer over me in Latin. Mm. He absolves me of my sins, gives me uh, absolution, douses me with holy water. It's like the Holy spirit knew we just didn't need a bottle. We need a bucket back there. So he douses me with holy water. And then I head over to the chapel for the next 45 minutes where the blessed sacrament is exposed on the altar. And I laid literally prostrate at the foot of the sanctuary. And at that time, boy, I had the cry of Bartimaeus right? Son of David have pity on me. And I cried from that place of woundedness. And really, it was when I cried to God and said, I've got nothing. I'm getting ready to lose everything that I ever had, everything I ever desired, everything that I thought I wanted. And it's about to be taken away from me. You have to fix this. And I said, I don't, I'm going to commit my life to you. I'm going to surrender my life to you. I don't know what that means, but you're all I have. And at that moment when I just laid there yeah. lifeless is the first time I ever felt loved by a father. It's the first time I ever felt held as a son. And after that, obviously the conference went on um, and it felt like the chains were broken and, 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 and and the bondage was just obliterated from my life. It felt like that, right? Of course there's a process and all of that, but literally It was like a 180 of my life thereafter. And after that, my marriage started to heal. My family life started to heal. I started to heal. I started to to face the wounds. And praise be to Jesus Christ that today I can stand before you um, and not just say I'm a Catholic evangelist or I'm doing things for the church, that I'm married to my beautiful wife of, of 27 years, that our children are practicing their faith, that my three grandchildren, well, five, two in heaven but three on earth, are all experiencing a life different than me, and now all of us as a family are actually trying to evangelize and proclaim the gospel to everybody that we encounter and so mm. that 's kind of the reader's digest version if there ever such was one for me of of how God really healed me of all of my wounds and really catapulted me into the man that he designed me to be first as his son and then as a husband as a father now grandfather, and of course a uh, an evangelist to try to reach every end of the world uh, to, to, to proclaim that joy and that mercy and that truth that he wants all of us to experience.
0: Our brother, my brother, John. Wow. Um, praise be Jesus Christ. You know, um, for, for men just tuning in, this is Iron Sharpens Iron. It's a program by Catholic men for Catholic men. Um, I'm Matt Palmer, one of the co-hosts with Catholic Men's Ministry in the Diocese of Columbus. I'm joined by Devin Shodd. Uh, my co host with Fathers of St. Joseph, Iron Sharpens Irons, produced in cooperation with St. Gabriel Radio. And we've just been listening to a testimony by John Sablon. Uh, and John has really shared his heart and how the Lord has, um, brought him to a place of, of not only deep remorse, but great healing, the beginning of a great healing. And Devin, I, I know that we're both just touched by what we're hearing from John. Any, Any reflections now that we're kind of hearing the the second half of the story here? It's so beautiful.
1: Yeah, I think that it's awesome. First of all, John, it's amazing. Um, And it gives all of us hope. You know, there's so many people who are listening who think that they're beyond hope or beyond healing. And and that's not true. God's got his plan for every one of us if we just want to open up a little bit. But what I, I think is so remarkable about your story and, you know, the prodigal son story in a sense is that like we're wounded, all of us are wounded, but um, a lot of times there are triggers in our lives. And we think that those triggers are, are completely bad. The triggers are those things emotionally that tend to, where where we have an emotional negative response to something that's happened in our life, whether we're envious, jealous, angry, frustrated, we lust, whatever that is, a, a trigger causes us to act in a certain way. But that trigger is a reminder. It's an echo of that wound, that pain in our heart where we have that void of love. and But God is the one who orchestrates the events in our lives so that those triggers happen. Because what he's saying is, we need to go back there. We need to go back to that void. We need to go back to that place where you don't have my love, where you don't feel my love, and we need to go back there. And so that's precisely What happened in that confessional is, is your father who is absent and abusive, that priest, that friar coming around, that big burly friar (laughs) coming around that screen is the prodigal father reaching out to the prodigal son. And then that whole thing at the conference, you prostrating yourself, all of that, that was orchestrated by the father. That was a massive trigger. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're seeing your whole life falling apart. But God takes you back there so he says, okay, now we can work on the wound and I can fill it back up with my love. And that's what God wants to do for every one of us. We're all so wounded. These triggers are alarm clocks, like where God's saying, we need to go back there and you need to let me in. And that's precisely the key to your story is you say, I've got nothing. You've got to fix this. Mm -hmm. That's, That's the key. That's the key. You're letting him in. A lot of times we when we respond to triggers, we either suppress them or, or we push them off. God, I give that to you. But we're not letting him in or we indulge them. But you let him in. I've got nothing, Lord. You've got to fix this. You're letting him in and boom, that's when everything explodes in a good way.
0: So powerful. Um, well, John, we've got about five minutes left and I want I want to move to... You know, to how the Lord is working through you and in you today. I want to to have you talk a little bit about your ministry, but I also want um, I want to make sure we save a little time for just for you to just reflect a little bit with our listeners. What encouragement and um, would you give us as Catholic men, as we, in all of our brokenness, as we step into uh, to life today, tomorrow? There's so much of, of what you've experienced that so many of us have experienced. But let's start with your ministry and just spend a couple minutes there, and then we'll kind of close with some of your your advice and encouragement. Tell tell our listeners about what God has called you to. I know you're an IT exec by day, but I also know that you have this um, abundant family ministry and that you speak and travel, and, um, and I know that, that you're now pursuing the diaconate in the Diocese of Phoenix, but... Talk a little bit about your ministry,
2: yeah, yeah, thank you for that. I uh, believe that um, the Lord has been doing some amazing things and not just in my life but in my family 's life, which is my primary vocation and so really, w- what the Lord has called us to is in two thousand and sixteen we, we incorporated uh, my wife and i another uh, another couple who was in diaconate formation with us as well as another as well as another priest friend of ours, realized that there was a need in our previous diocese to kind of serve the lo- local church relative to kind of evangelization, faith formation, just lighting a fire, um, but with a specific focus on the domestic church, right? That, that, so we started off with men's conferences, and then we moved to a women's conference, and then we added a family conference, and then a vocations conference, and then a Spanish conference because um, uh, one of the couples are Spanish-speaking. And so we, we really just started to, to do what the Lord was calling us to as far as um, a family ministry focusing on the family. And really trying to build up the different aspects of it, and so that's really starting to kind of take a turn and, and blossom as my children are getting older and as they're getting more involved in the ministry. And so, World Ablaze uh, was, was created. Really takes its namesake from um, Luke, the Gospel of Luke twelve forty nine, where the Lord said. Jesus said, "I came to set the earth on fire," and how I wish it was already blazing. And also from Saint Catherine of Siena, the 14th century saint, Doctor of the Church, who said, "If you are who God made you to be, you'd set the world ablaze." Which is a testimony, obviously, to my testimony, but also the fact that my wife and I are both life-professed Third Order Dominicans, and so we live the life uh, of the rule according to Saint Dominic. And so that's kind of the start of the apostolate, and really we've just been, um, uh, you know, started off with conferences, workshops, retreats. Um, I also, as you mentioned, Matt, do travel and speak. Um, in a variety of different demographics, whether that's men's conferences, uh, marriage conferences, lead staff retreats, um, you know, uh, doing some um, powerful work with uh, brothers like Deacon Harold burksivers uh, as well. And uh, some other other men that I'm, I'm kind of connected with in the men's ministry uh, work as well. So there's a lot to that and just really going where the Lord leads me, collaborating where the Lord wants me to collaborate and, and doing what he needs me to do. Um, but first and foremost, right, being the, the husband and the father and the grandfather that he calls me to be. So that's kind of the, the ministry in and of itself. And yeah. so happy to, to, to you know, send everybody to either johnsablon.com or worldablaze.org And you can find a lot more about what we do and be happy to serve you, your parish, your ministry uh, w- with our family. And the beautiful thing about this too, Matt, is, you know, my, my wife is a, a, a Catholic counselor. Um, my two children, uh, my two oldest children, are Catholic counselors as well. My youngest son, who is uh, also World of Blazes' uh, only um, employee at this point, uh, he's our director of marketing operations. And so, when I say we're all involved, we're all involved. Um, in Healing—it's a healing ministry as well. So, you look at what my, my wife, my daughter, and my son are doing in the uh, private Catholic counseling world—they're really trying to bring souls to Christ and heal as well.
0: John, we're gonna we're gonna leave it at that, and I'm gonna ask Devin to just. You've encouraged us so much with, with what you've shared. Devin, we've got just a minute. Would you close us in prayer, brother, and just invite men to really open their hearts the way the Holy Spirit has touched John, and we'll, we'll close today.
1: Yeah, Father, we, we praise you and we thank you for John, and we, we thank you for the incredible work that you're doing in his life and the amazing conversion. We know it's all grace, Lord, but we respond to it, John responds to it, and we see the fruits in his family. We just beg, Lord, that any man who hears this message, that he would not think that his life is beyond hope, that he's beyond reach, but that he would open his heart to you and allow you to begin to work in his life as he has with John. So, Lord, we ask this, of course, in your son's most holy and powerful name, and blessed Mother St. Joseph, please intercede for all of us. Amen.
0: Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. John, thanks for joining us. Men, continue to walk this beautiful life of faith. Open your hearts to our Savior and watch Him and what He does in your lives. God bless, men. Take care.
2: I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time. gradually quit going. It's not as scary as I thought it was. (laughs) It's a much more warm and open place. And God really is about love. It's not about the rules and the things that I remember as a young child. It really is about the love that God has for each one of us that's so um, deep and wonderful.
1: If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org.